Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode references mental illness, suicide, and contains strong language. Listener discretion is advised. I can't remember it being a certain incident or a certain trauma or something that started it all. When you was beating Klitschko and people like that, and you must have been in a good place by then. No, I was totally depressed going into that fight. Was you? Totally depressed, but I always had a goal to beat Klitschko and become yeah, heavyweight yeah, champion. Yeah. So I always used to put it to the back of my mind, but I had a couple of bad times all the way through. Welcome to the first episode of The Gap, a Lad Bible podcast. This is a series that brings together two people from different generations to ask questions about their shared experience. Throughout the episodes, you'll be listening in on conversations about crime, addiction, war, mental health and adoption, to name a few. In this week's episode, we hear two-time heavyweight world champion Tyson Fury and ex-Premier League footballer Dean Windus as they discuss their experiences with depression and mental health. Speaking openly about their fight with anxiety and suicidal thoughts, Tyson and Dean find common ground in their struggles and the relief of opening up to the public. They talk about the lack of education around mental health and the stigma attached to discussing it, proving depression doesn't discriminate. All right, Mosh. Nice to meet you. Are we doing all right? Yeah, I'm good. Good. So you good. want to get down to dirty business? Yeah, let's have a go, eh? Defining moment of your career? Defining moment of my career is the comeback. Yeah. Um, losing all the weight, coming back from mental health problems, 10 stone weight loss, um, and getting back to the top of the tree. What's the defining moment in your career? Um, I think for me, it's got to be one thing, is scoring the goal at Wembley in 2008. Um, I've FA never, Cup. I've never, I've never been to church, but I was 39 year old, and I scored in the 39th minute. So whoever was looking down on me that day was 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 shining on my light really. I played for Hull City, my hometown club, against Bristol City. Uh, we got promoted to the Premier League. You know, for the first time. Well done. So uh, yeah, it was a massive achievement for me being a local boy. Well done. Well done. Thank you. Next question. What is your favourite sex position? <laughs> <laughs> My missus is in the room, I can tell you. <laughs> no, what mental health issues have you suffered with? Um, depression. Um, I, I, got, I had a diversities in my life, massive diversities, obviously divorce, 
losing my, my father, you know, was my best mate. I think for me, Tyson, what, what messed me up was that I had a row with my dad in four or five months where in 41 years of my life, I'd never had a row with him. Yeah. In that five months, he, he passed away, he had an heart attack. So I blamed myself, I blamed myself and I was drinking very heavily. You know, I've never took drugs, but obviously, you know, I tried to take my own life, which I'm not proud of because I've got two lovely kids, 25 and 20. Who, my eldest lad's a professional footballer and he plays for Wigan. And my youngest lad's an amateur footballer, so they're pro I want to probably be able to see that, you know, them, you know, what happens in their life. Yeah. And I thought it was very, very selfish of me, but looking back now, I'm still talking to you. So everything's still good. Here, still, still here, still telling the story, still batting away. And still batting away, that's what you've got to try to do. 100%. Mine, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, compulsive disorder, probably every other disorder I can think of. Well, as I'm well. not doing bad then, really, am I? Yeah. Do you know um, what I mean? I suffered with, with I, I, I did do, suffered with a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And it scares me. It scared me. Yeah. Frightening. What did you know about depression when you were growing up? Good question. I didn't know anything about depression growing up, I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was, I thought it was just mood swings. I thought I was just in a bad mood sometimes and it gets worse and worse and worse, but I didn't have any education on it at all. No. What about you? No, I didn't have any education on it and where it started off for me was when I was 12, when my mum and dad got divorced. And I had to look after my mum, obviously, with my dad leaving. Uh, my brother was six years older than me, so he was out with his girlfriends. I was only 12. I witnessed my mum trying to take her own life. So I didn't have any education at all. And as I got older, it was always in the back of my mind, but I was always very scared to come out and tell people. Yeah. Do you know, until that stages of my life when, when obviously it could have gone wrong. So no, I never had any education whatsoever, even, even to the last stages of, of my, my sporting career. Do you know, it was only till the end that then obviously I knew all about it. Yeah. Describe depression in two words. Heavy shit. Fucking awful. Hey! <laughs> I don't want to wake up in the morning. I don't want to see people. I cry a lot. I do cry a lot. Um, I'm proud to cry now. I, I was scared to go out. I was scared to talk to people. But I put on the front. If it was in front of the cameras, it was a show. But then eventually I had the, the, the bottle to come out and say, I've got a problem. Fair play. What do you feel like when you were depressed? Exactly the same as what it's you just mad, said. It? It's mad, isn't it? I think most people have the same feelings, don't they? Of, of worthlessness, not wanting to live, can't do anything right, every day is a grey day, mm. nothing's worth living for, and you don't want to continue. Mm. So, yeah, pretty much. But when you've been at the top of your game like that, and then all of a sudden it comes crashing down, you think the world's ended. I, I felt as though my phone never rang. You know, people didn't want to share it off you, didn't want your boots, didn't want to speak to you. Is there a stigma around mental health in professional sport? I think there's a lot of footballers who are coming out and telling their problems. Yeah. Do you know where before, do you know, I remember, God bless him, do you know, Gary Speed who passed away and he was yeah. a good, do you know, a not a colleague, but I knew Gary and I tried to do what he did two weeks after he did. And I think for me was that I was, I was, I was fed up of hurting people, hurting my wife, hurting my children. Uh, my dad, my mum was upset, my brother was upset, and I thought, if I'm not here anymore, I can't upset anybody. I think with a lot of more high-profile professionals mm. in sports coming out and talking about it, 
it smashes the stigma almost. And yeah. It's, it's, I read yesterday the government spending 860 odd million quid right. on uh, mental health in this mm. year's budget. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, an issue that's being yeah, taken yeah. care of now, more and more. What triggered your depression? I've suffered with depression all my life, so it's not a single thing that I can point a finger to. I think I must have been born with it. Right. Uh, so I don't know, I, I can't remember it being a certain incident or a certain trauma or something that started it all, so, mm. yeah, I, I can't pinpoint that. But when you was winning, when you was beating Kritzko and people like that, and you must have been in a good place by then. No, I was totally depressed going into that fight. Was you? Totally depressed, but I always had a goal to beat Klitschko and become yeah, heavyweight yeah, champion. Yeah. So I always used to put it to the back of my mind, but I had a couple of bad um, bad times all the way through. Going through your training camp? Through training camps, and even like before earlier on in my life, leading up to that point, mm. even as a teenager, even as, as a young boy, mm. I'd always um, suffered with yeah. depression all yeah, the way yeah, through. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm well. We're both the same, of course we are. But mum was obviously lose, you know, the, the the parents divorced, and I'd go into training, and every manager used used to say to me, "If you play well, the team play well," and that's a massive pressure on you, you yeah. know. And I I love that pressure. Don't get me wrong, but then I'd come in training one day, and everybody in the squad and the manager and the coaching staff would know there's something wrong with me, so I probably suffered with it as long as I thought I did. You know, I'd be, I'd be at the back, and why do you know the life and soul of the fucking dressing room today? Because I'd wake up in in that sort, of, but I didn't know where it was. Didn't have a clue because I was that I was too young. Do you think it's possible to cure mental health problems? It's a tough question. Does it run in the family? I don't know, but. Do you know, it's, it's a very, very tough question. I don't know the answer to that. If you can tell me the answer to it, I don't know. Well, I'm not a rocket scientist, so I can't give you a definite answer, but from my experience, I don't think mental health problems can be cured. No. I think they can be managed and maintained, Yeah, yeah. but they never go away. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Because I've been happy for a period <laughs> of time, and then for no apparent reason, I'd go back being sad again. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they can be cured totally, but they definitely can be managed and maintained. What I learned very quickly is what my psychotherapist told me. If you're down, don't go for a drink. I wasn't classed as an alcoholic. I was classed as alcohol dependent. So I could have a drink if I wanted to have a drink. Alcohol I, dependent? I, well, that's what my psychotherapist said. Yeah, and I, I was never classed as an alcoholic. I was just classed as a devil for the drink. Well, there you go then. But, <laughs> you know, but I, thought that, I thought the drink was helping me. Yeah. Because I just want, I didn't want to be on my own. Do you know that pub was my changing room? And listen, Getting a sweat on and going in the gym and doing something doing good act, about it. Isn't doing, oh, you what? And then you're in I that. can't be without it. I've yeah, been up well, at six o'clock. Exactly. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. Yeah, I'm the same. Exactly the same. I've got to. Uh, I've got to go to that gym every day. I'll go for a beer with the boys, no problem. Yeah. But where I'd go for two weeks before. Yeah, yeah. I'll go for uh, five or six bottles or whatever, bottles of beer, yeah, and yeah. I'll go home. Yeah, yeah. Because I know I'm going to go back to the gym tomorrow morning. I'm going to get back flat at it. What is the thing you regret most from your periods of mental health crises? There's been a lot of things happen, good and bad, and life's too short for regrets. So, you know, we'll move on, keep moving forward, and don't look at the past. Because if I spent my life looking backwards, I would never move forward. Mm. So I concentrate on the future and I concentrate on today. Mm. And I live for today because we're not promised tomorrow. 
Mm. Like you said, your dad passed away of an heart attack. Well, like a few weeks ago, my uncle went for a Sunday dinner, dropped stone dead, 53-year-old, heart attack. He didn't think he was going to die going for a Sunday dinner. How did that affect you? It, it was terrible. It was close to my uncle. We used to go out all the time, getting the piss all the time. Mm. And he was a top fella, but you just don't think they're going to be dead. Mm. One minute they're here, next minute they're not. Yeah, so yeah. that's how much that saying is, you're not promised tomorrow. Mm. Do you think being a sportsman helped or hindered your mental health? Yeah, because you had a focus. I loved training. I was so driven about playing on a Saturday and scoring goals. So you put it to the back of your mind. But when I was driving home after training, you get them bad thoughts. I think being a sportsman did, did help me because, like I say, like you just said there, I had a drive, I had a goal to achieve. Mm. So I used to put it all to my back of my mind. Yeah. But when that goal was achieved, then I had nothing to look forward to. Mm. Then it all come flooding out. Then I had a mental breakdown. Right. Wow. So, yeah, it, it helped me. And then when it was ended, how, did, how did your family feel about that? Because my family was, like, fuming that I never said anything. Do you know what it was? None of my family under, understood it at all. They just thought I was attention-seeking and right. uh, yeah. being an idiot, Same really. Same so they used to say, a man who's got it all, he's never happy, he's always upset, he's always in a bad mood. Mm. And it was like nobody understood. So everyone was like, just pull yourself together, yeah. man, what's up with you? Everyone, there's a lot of people out there more worse off than you. And that's totally the wrong stuff you want to wear. Yeah, but people look at us and they think that everything's rosy in the garden. Do you know, I've not got as much money as you've got now because my ex-wife took a little bit, but... <laughs> um, so people say, does money make you happy? Well, I had money, but it didn't make me happy. If this is another mental health question, I'm going to shred it. <laughs> I swear to God, it better not be. This is, this is, a, this is a funny station. This is, station. this is not a station for gloom and doom, is it? Did your upbringing make it difficult? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Woo! I've got two different halves here. <laughs> so, with your experiences in mental health, how do you think it's helped people? That you get big men like you coming up to me going, I've struggled, yeah. but now you've spoke about it and we're in the public eye, do you know, then you've got the bollocks to speak about it yeah. and you'll probably be exactly the same. Same, yeah, exactly. And I think with my experiences, with my mental health, it's been very public. I've had a lot, um, I've done a lot in public and during my recovery, I was making videos when I was very unwell and all the way through getting well and whatever, and I didn't hold anything back. So I think the story, I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, oh, you've helped my wife, my brother, you've helped yeah. me, whatever. Yeah. Because you are in the public eye and, and you know everybody sort of looks up to you in a sense. They think because if, if, if we can come out and be honest with ourselves. Yeah, for sure. Do you know, they're, and then they're just a lad who works in a factory, say for example. You know, they're going, well, Tyson Fury or Dean Winners or whoever came out that night and said that he's had problems. Now, he'll probably go home to his wife or his mum or his dad or whatever and yeah, say, listen, I'm struggling. Well, if anybody's out there, well, there will be a lot of people out there suffering. Yeah. The best advice I can give anybody is seek medical advice immediately and, and come, come open about it because the sooner you open up, the sooner you can start recovery. Mm. And I wish I would have I've talked about it a lot earlier than I did because... Sorry. I would have got better sooner, and I had to have a mental breakdown before I could recover and get better again, until mm. I could admit to myself I'm, I'm not well. You know, when you spoke about all the things that you was doing in your life? Yeah. And that spared me on. You know, to listen to you, heavyweight champion of the world, and, and all of a sudden, like, you're telling people the problems that you had. And for me to watch that was just moving for me. 
So you've helped me. Good man. Dean. Pleasure, Matt. Nice to meet you. That was a top interview. From Lad Bible, you've been listening to The Gap. Next week, Noel, a former bank robber, sits down with Cornet, a former drug dealer, to talk about their lives as criminals. We worked it out that over a 35-year period, we stole something like 2.7 million between us. Um, Jeez. Didn't last very long either. The most we ever took in one go was 160,000, and that was between three of us. I actually had mine in a Tesco's carrier bag under the bed. Within about six weeks, the bag was empty, and that was it, we were out banging it again. You went for 50 grand in six weeks? Yeah, yeah. You want to spend it fast, because if you get nicked with it, and the police get it back, it's pointless, you have done it, you know what I mean? So we used to get rid of money quick. Make sure you're subscribed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you don't miss an episode.